0: LifeWay Lifeway. Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network.
1: This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. You know, COVID-19 is, it's it's like, it's as if God has literally said to the world, stop, reboot, rewire, you know,
0: and rethink. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Chandler Vinoy, here virtually with Josh Hunter. For the very first time, virtually. For the first time, man. We're not This at is the Life is studio.
2: COVID-19 is insane. It is, man. Well, but we're excited. I'm excited. I'm excited for who we have with us today. Uh, me too. We're excited to talk with Ken Costa, who is a London-based internationally renowned banker. And I feel so official to be able to say that. Like, it's so cool to talk to somebody that has all the experience there. But he's an author. He's a speaker. He has been the chairman of some of the world's largest investment banks, advisor to some of the most powerful people in the world. And I got to say, I'm a little nervous for this because that's like a scary.
1: Well, you're, a not scary... How, you're not how <laughs> as nervous as I am. With this little... <laughs> reading all of that i I like hearing it i mean carry on
2: i'll keep i'll keep i'll keep buttering it up man but here's here's the most important
1: thing.
2: he's a committed christian and believes jesus is the hope of the world and he's a great
1: i do do believe that and hi guys from lockdown london it's a weird place i mean london is normally buzzy cars around people are moving around but man, you know, just at the moment, it's crazy. It's quiet. It's eerie. Yeah. And we're pretty scared, you know. So it's, it's a difficult time. Difficult mm-hmm. time. For,
0: for sure. Well, you know, we're, we're in Nashville, Tennessee. You're in London. Two different scenarios. And I know those listening, this COVID season is different for them as well. What exactly does that look like for you? I know everybody's, it's lockdown, quarantine. Have you been working from from home? Have you, has work sped up? What does that look like for you? Yeah, we, all, we all have to work
1: from home. We're allowed out once a day. Um, we can go for a walk. I go for a walk with my wife in the park, I'm getting to know my wife even better, which is um, quite a good <laughs> thing. Um, So we're all alone at home. I'm learning to do housework. That's not so easy. Um, you know, <laughs> dishwashers somehow or another don't stack themselves afterwards. I have to take them out, put them in, but I'm learning. Um, and uh, it's difficult. We can't see the children. We can't see mm. the grandchildren. Um, and, and Zoom calls uh, are, you know, a fantastic opportunity to to get to doing work during the day. But also, I mean, we're making a very real point of staying involved with a whole bunch of friends, particularly some of our younger friends. I have, I have, I have what I call a curry club, which is uh, in physical times. Um, bunch of guys in the early twenties we used to gather together and I sort of mentor them and we'd meet and have curry together, but of course we didn't do that. So now we've got Uber Eats delivering vouchers to the guys and we have our curry virtually and we talk about God and we pray together. Um, and it's great except eating on zoom is not a pretty picture. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: a good point. I love, I love the innovativeness there. Um, and it, it, it is, I don't know about you all, but I've been living on Zoom these past few weeks. And when it first started out, I was like, man, thank goodness for Zoom. And I still am well, gr- incredibly grateful. But
1: I am also like, oh, another Zoom meeting. Yeah, I'm pretty, about, pretty worn out. about the Zoom meeting. When you're in work, you know, you go from one office to someone else's office. You can have a coffee on the way or, you know, take a bit of time. I mean, yeah, it's one thing after the other. And, um... It just carries on with different time zones. Um, But thank God for it. And, you know, I think it's very important that we maintain even virtually uh, physical, um, well, visual contacts with different networks. I think that's the key thing. Hmm. Not just to be talking to the same people. You want to branch out to different networks, people you play football with, people you pray with, people you do some business with. Um, and you know, just try and widen widen the range so that we can make a change to, you know, the, the, just the boredom of day-to-day activity.
0: Man, that's great advice. You don't
1: want me you don't want me to give you sort of advice how <laughs> to <laughs> all good. <laughs> all
0: good. Well, Ken, let's go ahead and hop in here. I'm I'm super excited to hear about your story. So if you could just sure. share with us a quick overview. Of the different leadership roles that you've been in over the years that have led you to where you are today?
1: Um, right. So briefly, grew up in South Africa under the apartheid. Fears. Very difficult, young student leader, hated the racial discrimination, harassed by the police. Uh, when things got really tough, uh, was um, shipped over to uh, Cambridge University um, uh, to just get rid of some of the the trauma of being student leaders on campus, which was pretty tough at the time. Um, Studied law in uh, in university, grew up in a sort of nominally Catholic family. Uh, Faith really came alive while I was university uh, and uh, it changed my life. And at that moment I realized I I wanted to give my life to doing uh, the work of the kingdom what it turned out as was that the work of the kingdom was not what everybody else would assume it to be um, in a full-time uh, work in a church, uh, but rather as an investment banker. And I believe that, you know, fundamentally, that my workstation is my worship station. Where I work is where God's called me to worship. And that is that scene motivation of the activities that one does. And it's tough. It's tough out there. You know, it's sort of tough. in in the world in which we have to work, not easy. Uh, And then I was active and still am in a church uh, behind the scenes in leading, I was chairman and still am chairman emeritus of um, the Alpha Course, which is an introduction to the faith, which has been followed by about 30 million people worldwide. Um, And that uh, chaired the board for 16 years. So, uh, you know, written four books, um, married a wonderful woman and, Getting to know her better in lockdown, and uh, four great kids,
2: and that's awesome. So, it, incredibly interesting path that the Lord put you on for sure. When in that time frame, you know this is this is about leadership too, and, and understanding that story. When in that time frame did you realize, okay, God, you've made me a leader. I, I am a leader. When when in that time frame did you realize that that started to happen?
1: Well, you know, the fact of the matter is, for most people. They don't get to that point and say, "I am a leader," and it's usually the ones that claim to be the leader that you simply don't want to follow. But what happens is when somebody starts following you, listening to you. Um, and clearly in the workplace, it came when I was effectively doing you know major transactions. People realized that, that maybe someone worth listening to uh, and in the in the church scene, it became where you know as you grow in wisdom, um, and you go, you know, younger guys gravitate towards me. And I realized that I had a, a gifting of being able to mentor, speak to, and work with younger people. And so, um, and that has been with me for 40 years. The only problem is the younger people were 18 and they now in their thirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I love that. I love the way you used You know, I, there was a time where people started gravitating toward me. You didn't say, and that's when I knew I was a leader. You said, that's when I realized I became a mentor-type voice. Yeah. And I think that's really important to distinguish, like, leadership is mentorship. It's viewing people as the end and not a means to an end. It's, it's about the people, not everything surrounding it. So I think that's really an interesting choice of words and really
1: unique. You, just have, to, you, have, to, you have to be yourself. Um, and, and the great thing is, particularly about this, this generation, uh, it, it, they can suss out a fraud and a phony so quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you know if there's anything that's sort of suspicious, or you want to push yourself, you want more likes, you want more people to follow you, I'll switch off. And you know that authentic voice is what the generation is looking for. Um, and you know, sometimes it works, and sometimes I screw up. So, yeah,
2: <laughs> well said. Well said. <laughs> Can you can you tell us about a pivotal moment that you look back on that really changed your leadership, maybe even styles of leadership, or just in generally changed your life?
1: Um, well, I think I think that the, the the problem is I, you know I, it works in two ways. I think the the realization that God was really interested in what I did. Uh, not just uh, what I did on Sundays, that actually that mm. God, God cared, you know, that there was no divide between a banker and a bishop. There was no divide between the sacred and the secular. That if, you, if I did a good job of work well, I was honoring God in doing a good job of work well, you know, and, and that, uh, that was an extraordinary, it was a process. I don't think it just happened like that. But it was a process by which I began to realize that God's call to us was in fact to be doing what he had given us in the workplace and to do it well, as a result of which I wrote a book called God at Work to try and answer some of the questions that people have. You know, what am I doing all day long in the workplace? Is it just a good boat from which to fish? You know, well, no, it's not. You're not paid to be an evangelist. You're not paid to be a pastor. You're paid to be a software programmer. You've got to do it flipping well. And if you don't, you know, there are consequences uh, and, you know, and God's got a stake in it.
0: What you just said, I, I was reading, uh, there's the book Atomic Habits, and I was, I was recently reading it and signed up for James Clear's newsletter. It's basically talking about how to, your everyday decisions, they equal up to, you know, success. And he, he had a quote today and he said, the best way to get the attention and respect of exceptional people is to do exceptional work. Like attracts like. And hearing what you say there is, man, do the best at what, where you are, you know, continue to try to be the best that you can be in whatever position that you, that you're in. And don't try to rise to the top. If you do your job well, others will take notice of that. Would you agree with that?
1: Mm-hmm. Life's tough. <laughs> I mean, I it sounds good. I mean, I'd like to believe that. <laughs> but, you know, it's tough. It's a, it's, it's a tough gig in the workplace. I mean, sometimes it does work like that. Yeah. You know, but sometimes it doesn't. Um, I mean, I, you know, I wish, I mean, I'd love to tell you, yes, of course, you know, sort of, I just have to sort of do it well that somebody's going to come and say, man, you've done it so well, um, you know, up the, up the promotion pole you'll go. But the answer is that sometimes we have to be like Jesus. We have to be prepared to serve and not to be recognized for the services that we're doing mm-hmm. uh, that work sometimes behind the scenes. Um, and that's much more difficult, but that's a measure of spiritual maturity. Mm. That's Man, really that's good. good. That's, that's really convicting. I don't want uh, you, but I mean, your, no. your atomic habits are great. I mean, you know. Keep- <laughs> <laughs>
2: James Clear, you're great. We hope to have, have you on the podcast someday. But, um, you know. Everybody's got opinions. I I think that's really timely, especially for me. This is an area I've been struggling in. And I heard you say, I I mean, you know, I don't kind kind of some days and other days. don't. And I'm like, I know where he's going with this. (laughs) We, and it's Uh, just what I needed to hear. I'll cheer you up. So so (laughs) tell us, flesh that out a little bit more, Ken. I'm a leader serving behind the scenes. I'm doing everything. Leadership theory, 100%. Like, serving, like I'm getting, gaining influence. I'm being like Jesus, but then I'm, nothing's happening. I'm not, I'm not getting these promotions. I'm not getting recognized. How do I have tenacity to continue to go? How do I really lean in and continue to
1: serve like Jesus served? Well, welcome to the real world. It's, you know, we have completely illusory views, but because we have sort of some, you know, special, special source called Christian source, that, that the real world is going to somehow or another be different. It isn't. But what is different is that my attitude to it is different because I can become the best Ken in the, in my, in the finance world mm. um, because I believe uh, in, in the, the power of the spirit of the living God to change and to adapt each day. I do believe that it's a motivational way. It changes my attitude, um, but sometimes it, it won't necessarily change the, change others' perception of my promotion. It, I remember very well being held back because people thought that I wasn't as dedicated as others because of this this Christian thing. Well, two years later, I shot right ahead of them. You, you can't govern the timing of these things, mm. but also you. If 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 you've set the objective of I've got to get to the top, you have to ask yourself the simple question: Why do I work? Why do I do what I do? Do I do it for cash? There's nothing wrong with that. I've worked for cash. Do I do it for a career? Well, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I want to get to being the head teacher in the school. Good. Do I do it because uh, I um, I, I'm I'm working in a uh, in a in a voluntary organization um, because I've got some sense of of wanting to do good that's absolutely fine I've done some of that but if you don't do it because you feel called by God to be doing what you're doing you are gonna burn out there's no there's no question in my mind um, that that is that's what will happen and so to that deep sense that of, of inner calling that God has called us to the place that we're at that sustains and motivates us, even when things are pretty tough.
0: So yeah. convicting. And, and in that, you know, I want to, I want to jump down. We were going to ask this question a little bit later, but I feel like it fits right in here. So yeah. you, you mentioned you wrote a few different books and one of those is know your why, and
1: yeah. you
0: talk about finding and fulfilling your calling. And just as you're talking about, why are you working? That, that is a fundamental question that determines everything and you know when that promotion goes to someone else when somebody doesn't recognize your work are you are you firm in the calling that you that you feel that God has placed placed on your life so what advice would you offer to young leaders about finding their calling in life and what they're doing in the
1: workplace well the um, first thing to say is there's a good book on the topic you've just mentioned it Uh <laughs> Get a hold of it. Um, I don't get any royalties from it. Um, not that there are any, but it is a help actually. <laughs> it uh, it, it goes; they all get charity. But I wrote it precisely to answer this question: um, that you know, people struggle with the fact that I don't know what I'm called to do, and the, one of the reasons for it is that we're all that we're living much longer, um, and, and therefore. Change, change is taking place in, in such a pace uh, of, of that we, 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 you've hardly started one job, you're starting to think of doing something else. So there is, a, there is a sense of coming to an honest understanding of the Spirit of God teaches you and me how it is that we can live uh, day to day in the job that we're called because there is a sense of calling. There is a sense of asking God and, and how you do that I mean. Difficult to go through it here, but I'm, you know, give you a few steps to be able to sort of try and assess that um, that way of of calling. But 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 the most important is to believe that actually uh, we can know our why. I mean, Simon Sinek uh, wrote a great book on you know sort of uh, getting to know your why or you know finding your why. But but actually, for the, the great heritage Christians is that we know it. That mm. We know the calling that we have. It doesn't mean to say you're enslaved for the whole of your life to be a teacher, when um, you hate being a teacher. But <laughs> you know what? God yeah. is there's freedom in it. that. It he gives us opportunities to 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 move around. Yeah, that's really good.
2: I was going to ask if you if you were friends with Simon Sinek, and you guys have had this conversation before.
1: I, I met him. He spoke at our leaders' conference here several years ago. But there is a fundamental difference. You yep. know, he, he's brilliant. He does extremely well. I think that for us. It's The word no, it's, it's mm. you know, it's know your why. Um, and that's that's quite a bold claim, but this is you know, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Uh, you know, there are ways in which we've got to learn to hear God. How do you hear God in a noisy world? Um, that's a key issue for particularly for younger people. Um, that's really good. Well, you keep saying it's very good. It is great, actually. I think why don't you score me after every answer? You can give me a four or a five. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: blasted! It is great. I'm sorry. It is great. It is just epic. <laughs> That's funny. I uh, I was gonna say, you know, to cut through the noise, maybe God just puts COVID nineteen says, mm-hmm. hey, listen, let's cut through the noise. Let's get back to knowing our why and. Stop trying to find your why. We know our why. We know why we're here. It is a, it is a very great. Let well, me pick comment. you up. About
1: it, it, is, it is not so easy. This is not Google. You can't just Google my why. It, it is quite right. often a profound psychological process that we have to go through, in order to determine uh, that signature calling that God has on our lives. Because there's a lot of noise around. That kind of you know when you were told. Growing up, you know, you can do anything you want. Um, you know, just build it, and they'll come. Well, none of that's true in the real world. Um, yeah. There is there is some soul searching you have to do with other people to get to know yourself, to get to know what God is doing in your life as well. So that that is important to to recognize that. And yes, uh, you know, COVID nineteen is it's, it's like it's as if God has literally said to the world, stop. Hmm. reboot, rewire, you know, and and rethink. Yeah.
0: There are, there are some silver linings to this. And I think that is one of them for sure. And I want to go back on what you were saying there is it takes, it's not a Google search. It is hard thinking and wrestling and letting the Lord work in your heart. What did that look like for you? I mean, how did you know that where the path that you took was where God was leading you and, and you put a calling on your life to do that? Well, I
1: I prayed. Um, I said every day uh, the words of the psalm: "Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust in God, and He will act." Uh, Now that was a profoundly difficult thing to do because I'm by nature an energetic activist. It won't appear from this from this conversation, (laughs) and I want to get things done. I mean, I, I I want to. I'm way ahead of God. And, you know, you have to commit your way, trust in God and he will act. And that was that sort of sense of trusting him, but also being sensible by drawing together the reasons why he would want me to do banking work, which is all my friends became pastors. And I thought, well, I'd like to be a pastor. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, one day a week you work and the rest of the day we have for On Sunday, Sabbath. I walk um, <laughs> um, you know, Rather yeah. than to sort of Toughing it out every day, sort of thinking, well, what am I going to do tomorrow? You know, this is flipping difficult. Um, but that, uh, you know, there was a sense of God calling me in a different way. And as He nudges, so you follow the nudge, uh, and then you talk to other people around you, you check the availability of it, you check your motives, you go through a checklist, uh, and then the doors open. And it's a profound understanding that the doors that he opens, no one can close. And the doors that he closes, no one can open.
0: Great answer. Five. That was a uh, five. Ten.
1: Good morning. No, Good morning. I'm not taking less than a second.
0: <laughs> I was saying five out of five. <laughs> I'm sorry. We should uh, make sure uh, the scale. We need make sure the scale's on the same you, page. Come on, you man.
1: You
2: just perfect. keep raising the you scale, can't can't Ken. The come on, question. man. Go on. Oh goodness. Hey, before we get to the next question, let's take a moment and hear from our sponsor. On
0: this podcast, we hope to equip our listeners with the best resources to help churches thrive. So if you're looking at launching a thriving church in a rented venue, I encourage you to check out the team at Portable Church. Portable Church Industries equips churches meeting in alternative venues with total solutions. So you can launch strong, be reproducible and thrive in your communities. For over 25 years, they have partnered with church planners and multi-site leaders, mastering creative, intelligent, effective, portable church solutions. So you and your team stay focused on the things that matter, building disciples. See what this looks like by visiting portablechurch.com Lifeway. Once again, that's portablechurch.com Lifeway. Now back to the
2: podcast. Ken, what was your biggest mistake as a leader getting started? He's rubbing his eyes here, guys. This this might be.
1: We'll see what happens. No, I know I'm not going to get a seven. (laughs) I'm (laughs) I'm trying to think. I think, um, looking back, um, the biggest the biggest mistake uh, was to believe. That I could do more than what I was capable of doing, called by God to do, and it's it's a terrible thing to to have to admit that you think you can do more than God calls you to do, and therefore I was piling more and more on, not spending enough time at home, spending times at work, getting sort of short tempered, um, and I think that was a phase of time when I'd realised actually, the only way this works is you have to have, you know, in in Colossians we we read that, you know, in Christ Jesus, all things hold together. That if you want everything to hold together, you've got to hold your emotional, your spiritual, your financial, your sexual stuff, you've got to hold it together uh, in Christ Jesus. Because if you don't, it's going to pull you apart. And I think just that was a period of time when I was I wanted to get on. I wanted to do well. I wanted to feed a family, buy a house. You know, these things happen. Um, and I think that was that was a mistake. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I can justify it, but seeing that you asked me the direct question, I'll settle for a two, uh, <laughs> having failed.
0: <laughs> no, I, so, thank, thank you, you for sure. that. And I, I do think, especially, I mean, you're speaking to young leaders here who – they see what could be ahead, and it's like kind of the our culture right now is if you just put in enough work, if you work overtime, you know that's how you gain. And I think it really is, as you were saying, in all in Christ, all things hold together. And it's like, man, do we really believe that? Do we believe that He holds our future and that we don't have to work for it? Not saying that we don't have to put in the hours, but we don't have to strive to make things happen all the time.
1: What well, you you. you. You raise a very important. For this generation, we live in a spectrum between broadband and burnout, and just Mm -hmm. at at the moment, we were on that verge of people veering to the to the right axis of burnout. And burnout is the greatest pastoral disease of our generation, and it is incredibly difficult uh, to be able at the moment to find your rest in God, to be able to to stop to hear you, you, you've got to switch the noise cancellation earphones on if you want to hear God because otherwise the noise around it is, is just too much uh, and, and I think that, that is a, such an important part the broadband has enabled us to do far more than we were ever able to do which is fantastic I wouldn't be having this conversation with you if it weren't for the fact yeah of course it's doing that it has a sort of incremental push the other way uh, onto the other side of it, which is burnout, and and all you know, all our mates, you know, including people you know very well, um, yeah. you know, I got there, and you know what I'm talking about.
2: Man,
0: hmm. I mean, that spectrum that you said, I just felt that as soon as you said that, I was like, yes, absolutely. I, there's, we have more access through the internet than ever before, but it also means that we can fill our time like never before and totally miss resting and spending time with God and slowing down. So, you know, for those listening, maybe, maybe you're sitting there during this COVID season and you, you do feel a little burnt out. I would just say, turn, turn off the devices for a little bit and just spend time with God and wrestle through kind of what, what Ken was just talking about there because that is it's a very helpful distinction.
1: If you don't do that, if you, if you don't do that, you're not going to. Come, you, you won't come through this. I'm absolutely convinced that we've got to learn now to be able to take a fast on our on our digital devices for a period, whatever it might be. Uh, if you go for a walk or you go for a run, don't go with, don't go for jogging mm. with your, with your device. You know, try and make the conscious effort of being able to learn to live. The natural rhythms of of living, rather than the the very artificial ones that we became so used to. Such a helpful reminder. Hold on, wait. I
2: so helpful. Where does that fall on the scale, of like <laughs> one to seven? I, you know, the word help? I was just so worried like... about helpful. i mean, helpful
1: too, but I was worried that you were going to score me on on the, on the, the uh, broadband and burnout <laughs> at a nine. Way so, the so 10. the first
0: the first part of the answer was a nine. When we got to the second bar, we, we lowered yeah. down a little bit.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I for me, I, like I said that that was convicting to me, and I'm sitting here thinking, what is the rhythm of my days, especially when we don't have routines and rhythms? How do we make sure that we're still creating oh. those to rest and spend time with God? So that's that's for me. It's very helpful. Well, let's move to the quick hitters here. And these are just going to be short, one-minute answers. We'll get started with this one. And, you know, this might be different for COVID, but what is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up, get into the office, all that good stuff?
1: Uh, well, I've forgotten what it was. <laughs> What does a normal day look like? I don't know. What is normal? Um, Correct, under, yeah. under this COVID arrangement, you know, we wake up in the morning, um, Go to, the, go to the gym, doing the gym remotely with my trainer. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Which is fantastic because he says, you know, take the 10 kilo weight and I'll take an 8 uh, <laughs> <laughs> None the wiser. So, uh, so we start with the gym and then I have a leisurely breakfast. Um, I'm, you know, beginning to learn how to make my own coffee because there's no one around to make the coffee. <laughs> um, and then I read the newspapers so, so you drink tea, not, or you drink coffee, not tea? I do in the morning after gym. And okay. Then tea for the rest of the afternoon.
0: Okay, I, was, I, I thought tea might be in, in the routine somewhere.
1: Oh, yes, the afternoon. Um, and then it's Zoom calls, you know, uh, one after the other for work. Um, until some sort of crazy people from Nashville want to have a sort of... <laughs>
2: I love it. I love this interview so much. It's my favorite thing when you put us on some blast, <laughs> my favorite thing. I, I feel like I'm going like to get my hand slapped for this question for some reason. <laughs> what is your favorite personality test, Ken? Do you like personality tests? Do you, <laughs> <no>?
1: <laughs> I failed my personality test.
0: <laughs> oh, what's your, what's your least favorite? Do you have a least favorite or do you just hate them all? What? Personality tests, personality tests,
1: like Enneagram. It's, it's you lot that, have, that, have, you know, that are sort of preoccupied with personality tests. We hardly do them. I mean, we, we know there's Myers-Briggs, but then there are sort of ABTQs and I'm nine or a four on an Enneagram. <laughs> and half the Christian world thinks it was developed by the devil anyway. So, I mean, <laughs> I, think, I have no idea. I have no idea. but. I, I probably fail all the tests. You can give me a two.
0: <laughs> go, go to the next one. You said you can question. give me a two. Oh, my. oh it's incredible. Okay. What, what's an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership?
1: I don't know whether it's unusual, but I absolutely love people. Um, I love people. I love young people. I'm fascinated by their lives, um, their stories. Um, I'm completely word perfect on a 27-year-old. It will take three years this way or that way, um, practically. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. So it, for me, it's energizing. Um, and I can't do it all the time. I have to spend time with CEOs and big corporate people and fall asleep in Zoom calls. But what <laughs> energizes me is talking to people. You know, telling them that, you know, there is a God who loves you. He loves you. He knows you and he's called you. Those three things. You forget everything I've said today. You can score me highly on those three things. He knows you. You know, he knows the screw ups. He loves you because he spotted you when you were doing the wrong things. And he mm. is, um, and he's called you.
2: Mm. Amen. Amen. What has been the best book you've read in the past six months?
1: Oh, um, Joseph of Arimathea, which I've just written. So, um, <laughs> bet you've never heard of Joe. Um, uh, yes, I'm kidding. Obviously, I'm kidding. This whole, this whole thing is a joke. So <laughs> <laughs> Let's carry on the joke. Um, I've loved Joseph of Arimathea. I've written this book on Joseph of Arimathea. And you may say, Joe who? Well, you know, he was the one that took the body. But let me give you two seconds on it. Um, he was uh, a person who was not, he was not a, a pastor of any kind. He was not one of the big dogs. Uh, when it came to uh, the body of Jesus, where were the disciples? They weren't there. Where were the women? They weren't there. <clears throat> and was left for an ordinary businessman to take the body, to form a partnership, which he did with Nicodemus. Partnerships are important. Um, and he, they formed a partnership. They pooled their funds. To find the tomb which he gave of his own, because he wanted to give something of his to Jesus and uh, and they buried him. and the test is this: faith is not knowing, doing something, hoping something when you don't know how the story ends. And that message uh, really riveted me, uh, which is why I read the book. It's a shameless plug, but I don't care. <laughs> it's been such fun and, and if it's if it's, uh, hey, we're if, chill. We're chill here. All good. I look forward I to reading that book. You can send me a score sheet whether you think it's <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh,
2: it's an you. you what. I'll get your cell number after this is done, and I'll, I'll send you a score page by page <laughs> of what I think of each page, and I'll live text it to you. Uh, last question, Ken. You've been great to have on so far, but last question. What one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the very first
1: time? Um, um, Steve Jobs, not everybody's favourite, giving the famous um, uh, address to Stanford, ended it by saying, to the To the commencement uh, address, to, to the student saying, um, stay foolish, stay hungry. And I think, um, for the Christian, we will always be foolish. Um, The kingdom of God, Um, again, I read this book called Strange Kingdom, which is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the martyr of the Nazis, We said that a king who dies on a cross is the king of a very strange kingdom. Uh, What we're doing is weird. We're following a weird person. There's nothing, it's strange, but it is the power of God being foolishness to people. Other people would look and say that you're being foolish. Um but it's the source of the power of God, uh, understanding the nature of the cross. Um, And I think that that is, um, and be hungry, hungry for the word of God, hungry to help other people, yes, but also hungry for your workplace, to do the job of work well, to, to make good profits, to give away generously, you know, to be hungry to fulfill everything that God has given you. And if you do that, if you stay foolish, you stay hungry, Um, you'll you'll have an amazing life. Ken, thanks so much for joining us
0: on the podcast and letting us uh, interrupt tea time (laughs) join us from London
1: Chandler, I would give you my tea time Um, (laughs) maybe not my golf tea time, but I will give you Um, it's been amazing talking to you and guys, I hope whoever listens to this will forgive me, lightheartedness we're living in very hard times COVID is stressful, but hey, sometimes we're going to have some fun. Oh, this is, no, I think
0: this is going to be great. Yeah, it's been a be blast great. for us. And for for those listening, we do hope this has been helpful. We do hope you had a, maybe a laugh or two and it did lighten up the mood for you. And if this was helpful, head on over to Instagram, give us a follow, give say hey. We'd love to connect. And we'll see you
1: next week. See ya, Peace.